Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Wherever you are, I trust that God is going to meet you in this moment and refresh your soul and challenge your mind and draw you a little closer to himself. Uh, Deep into the podcast, I mention a verse out of the book of Hebrews that I think is one of the most stunning verses in all of the scripture today. So uh, crank the volume, tune in, dial in, open your heart, and enjoy the podcast. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. JV, good morning. Welcome to the podcast, listeners. Good morning, Freddie. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. It's Thursday. Thursday morning. I'm headed to the dentist after this, so I guess I'm okay. <laughs> Go figure. It's raining outside. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ain't it beautiful? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's getting ready for the spring flowers, I hope. Yeah. That's what I keep thinking. Yeah, yeah. How are you this morning, bro? Good, man. Good. Yeah. We're a little later this week. We've had a few things going on, but yeah. I'm sure and glad we got to put it in this morning. Monday was the day after Disciple Now weekend. Yeah. It's a long day. Disciple Now. That was a brain dump. What is Disciple Now, Fred? <laughs> and I got a quick story behind. I'm a brag. I got a braggy story behind that. You know I, what I, Disciple Now is, JB. Disciple Now, yeah. So when I was in tenth grade, ninth grade at First Baptist Church Clarksville, we had a recreation youth minister named Harvey Britt. Harv. And Harvey had gone to Florida and had seen this new thing they were doing down there called Disciple Now. Really. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to do it in Clarksville. <laughs> so I don't know that we were the first in Tennessee, but um, in tenth grade, I went to uh, a family's house, and it was co-ed. Yeah, <laughs> Not, <laughs> from your service. Yeah. What were they thinking? I don't, I don't know, know what they were thinking. So when uh, you're when you're a disciple now, so for those of you that are listening, most of you know disciple now is a retreat that we do. It's an overnight retreat that we do in homes. And Jonathan, it used to not be built around the worship service so much. It used to be more time in the home, and maybe they yeah. pivoted that. You know, now they'll worship Friday night, they'll worship Saturday morning, they'll worship Saturday night. So used to, used to you wouldn't even have a you would kick it off Thursday night, Correct. and then you would have Bible study Friday night in the home, yep. Saturday morning in the home, Saturday afternoon, all yep. that. And then you would come together for a worship gathering on Saturday night. Gosh, I can't remember um, if we did that that first year. We may yeah. have. You may not have done this, no, the, the evening worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, in the, but, Jonathan, I remember <laughs> those of you that hosted D-Now this year or in the recent past, you'll appreciate this. So used to, we would go to church, and then literally after church, we'd go back to our, our host home. And pick up your stuff. Well, you would do that, and then you would come back to, no, that's right. No, we would go yeah. back to the homes. You'd and- go back to church on Sunday night. Yeah, we would. Like that's a, right. We would. We yeah. did. We went to the home and finished for a up. celebration service. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Timmy Newsbomber. So I did that a couple years at First Baptist as an attendee. But Tim, Timmy, Timmy uh, Newsbomber, who went to First Baptist, friend of ours. He's a church plant up in New Jersey. He asked me to come to Jackson to do a couple, and so likewise, I have to say, attending and being the leader are both were both wonderful experiences. He gave my freshman year in college. Timmy asked me to lead a co-ed group of high schoolers, like fourteen of them. And back in the day, at Disciple Now, you would do these one-on-ones with the students. Mm-hmm. So we now it's we live in a day where 
don't sit down one on one with a student, right? It looks it looks you know fishy, but uh, or weird, or I don't know. Anyways, it, so one on ones. I had fourteen one on ones to do over a weekend span. Yeah, <laughs> I did the same. I had I had a I remember my first year. I did a co-ed. It was like seniors. I was like twenty three, having one on ones with these girls and boys. I, like, what were we thinking? Like, well, Disciple Now is pretty epic. Hefe uh, Jeff Kelly did not put it on the student ministry schedule because the last one that we did locally with all the other churches wasn't really good. Like the speaker fell really flat. He, you know, was yeah. not a good Bible guy. And, and it just kind of felt like you were like for our group, it felt like we were attending someone else's disciple now. So Hefe yeah. decided to do a spring retreat instead of disciple now. But the way we do our ministry plans is when our staff creates their ministry plan, uh, before it's done, they have to uh, send it to three or four of the leaders in their ministry area to get them to weigh in on it. Yeah. So we sent it to some students and to some parents and yeah. some student leaders, and everybody was like, "Where's D now? Where's Disciple now?" That's great. You know, so it didn't matter that it was you know. It, it, so Jonathan, here's the way it goes. Let's see if this is like typical, you know, church experience here. My kid, my oldest kid, came home complaining two years ago about. You know, it Whatever. just wasn't good, yeah, yeah. right? And then, it, and then it wasn't on the schedule. And he was like, "Why isn't it on the schedule?" <laughs> and we're like, "Because the feedback you gave two years ago was that it wasn't good." You know? And he's like, "Hell no, we got to do disciple now." You know? So, so we did, and, and it was amazing. And how many real life students did we have? We had seventy eight real life students. Listen, blows my mind. If you didn't even think we had seventy eight students in real life, we had seventy eight that were committed to go into someone else's house yes. with friends to yes. learn more and dig deeper about Jesus. It's so great. Uh, I texted Nathan and Carolyn Maynard. Uh, you know, maybe Carolyn Salyers. You know where it's Carolyn Salyers. Oh, yeah, Salyers. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they started our student ministry as volunteers. They both had full-time jobs. You didn't I, know that. I, I did not know that. No, right that's great. And, oh, they did a great job kicking us off. Oh, so okay. I sent them a picture of our crew, of our group picture, you know, and, and quoted Paul in First Corinthians, you know, one plants and other waters, but God gives the growth. Paul plants and Paul's waters, but God gives the growth. And they were just overjoyed to see the growth that God has brought through their planting, their initial planting and watering. And yeah. So we had several students come to Christ. We had we had a couple of students say yes to a call to missions or ministry. Really, really awesome. Several students lining up to be baptized. And um, overall, a really, really great weekend. No, no major negative anythings. Praise God. That's good. And how many were community-wide that attended? Well, Jeff estimated like around 500 people. Okay. It was oh, a good crowd, good. really good crowd. And I was really moved that Friday and Saturday night. I, I stuck my head in there just as they were getting going. Um, but I was just so moved. And I, and I shared this on Sunday, but that 500 students were you mm-hmm. know, packed into a worship auditorium, not distanced, not masked, with no pressure to do so or thought that they needed to, you know, just it's an answer to prayer because we've prayed so much as a church that God would have mercy and push back the pandemic. And I don't like to over spiritualize things, mm-hmm. but I think you can never over spiritualize things, but isn't it wonderful that God's pull towards people would put 500 students post pandemic at disciple now for Absolutely. a weekend. They could have been doing other things that may have yeah, been man. more fun, fun quote, yeah, man. quote. Yeah. All right. Uh, one of the all those decisions were great, but one of them was a little bit more special, maybe to you. Yeah, uh, Lily. Yeah, this is crazy, man. Because yeah, so my daughter Lily Beth Wyatt uh, 
went down forward during the response time and shared with one of the leaders that she sensed God was calling her to ministry. We've not really talked about that in the lives of our kids. We've made, you know, Jonathan, God's given Susan and me the grace to lead our family in such a way that we never, we never uh, positioned family against ministry or ministry against family. So we just, we just never categorized them as enemies or as competitors. Yeah. We just led our family to embrace ministry and to consider it a privilege, you know. And so uh, our kids, all four of our kids on different levels, love the ministry, love serving in the ministry, embrace the ministry. embrace. They love Jesus' church. So I'm so thankful that our experience in the church has been so positive that our kids love the church. So much so that Lily watching the stress that daddy comes home with and watching the hearing the conversations that I don't want her to hear that I'm having with Susan, you know, mm-hmm. all of that, it has not deterred her from saying yes to the Lord Jesus for ministry. It's great. Oh, man. I, I mean, as a dad in ministry, I can't think of anything better than my daughter would see our experience in ministry and say, I want to do more of that. Uh, yeah, that's a good thing. Like, yes, Lord, if you want to call me to that, my answer is yes. So, and the wonderful thing, man... You know, I one of the things that I've realized in the last five years is that the Holy Spirit is often speaking to me, and and I and I don't always recognize it, and it's and it's often very very soft, very 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 quiet. And um, Saturday night, I'm sitting in our bonus room all alone. Susan's like downstairs taking a bath or something. All the kids are out of the house. The three oldest are a disciple now. Parker's at a grandparents. And I am sitting in my chair, and I'm imagining how I'll train Lily like to run social media for real life. She's, she's creative. She's got a knack for it. She loves that kind of thing. She's not on any social media platforms right now. She's a seventh grader. But I was just thinking... You know, and, and, and I was thinking it, I think, in response to what the Spirit was saying to me. All the while, in the same moment, she's saying yes to the Lord in the worship service, that, you know, downtown as they're gathering. I hadn't told you that. I hadn't told anybody that, but, but Susan. So, uh, yeah, man, we're blown That's away. super great. Oh, blown away. So for those that have siblings that have been called to the ministry— like mine was, my brother Wally is, yeah. was called to the ministry yeah. earlier on in life. I so wanted to be called to the ministry, <laughs> Fred, uh, not because it's an easy job, um, because I wanted to be called to the ministry. Oh, I prayed for it in high school and college, prayed for it on my knees. You know, wow. I, I struggle with prayer, as that. you know. I, yeah, it's yeah. something I put off to the side, and and uh, nope, didn't happen. So uh, so I have a... Well, for clarity, for, for folks that are listening... Um, it's important to understand that every Christian is called to ministry. So we're using some language that could be unhelpful. It's just language that you and I grew up hearing and using. You know, when we become a believer, when we become born again, God fills us with his spirit and he gives us spiritual gifts for the intention of using those spiritual gifts for building up his body. That's true of every single Christian, every believer. God wants them to use their gifts to minister to build up the body of Christ. So we're all called to ministry. But what you're referring to is a vocational calling, you know. Yeah. So what I was going to finish up with saying was, yeah, so it's so, that. no, no, you know, it's good. No, I wanted you to fill in there because, um, so yeah, so 
So God, in his uh, wonderfulness, has been able to Is that use a word? me. No, I just made it up because I couldn't think of I didn't want to use blessed. Daniel. I didn't want to use blessed. I don't want to use blessed. Up a word um, so, but yes, no, I, even though I was not called for to full-time vocational ministry, um, it, it's still my walk with God and what he's allowed me to use just in a very small amount has still just been just enjoyable. So if you're out there driving a truck today, or if you're out there on a assembly line today, or if you're bagging groceries today, or if you're wiping a baby's bottom today, God has you vocationally being used what you're doing every day. I just want yeah, to, man. I, that's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, so we were not at church in person. Um, we were Check coming, it off. We were coming back Check from out of town. And so we had our air, Rachel had air potty. Yeah, we don't go very far. Out of town. <laughs> 35 <laughs> minutes away. But Rachel had an air pod in, and I had an air pod in driving back on Sunday morning. And we listened. Double air pods. Sharing air pods. That's romantic right there. <laughs> and she was in the back seat. I was in the front. Anyway, so we listened to your 830 service. And I had the phone in the cup holder, so I got to see the video of... Stratus. So I was, uh, uh, yeah. he, I, I watched T-Man. Uh, I'm, I'm a little older than you. Not much. And uh, Thundercats. Any oh, thund- yeah. Thundercat. Thundercat. Thundercats. Yeah, whatever. Shake it off. Thundercats. Uh, but like anyway, that. I remember He-Man. I never had a He-Man doll or whatever you want to call you it. You didn't. But figurine, I do not miss. Figurine mi- was not dolls. <laughs> 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 you feel good. All right. So, uh, but I didn't remember Stratus. So I had, uh, you said Stratus. Like, who in the world is Stratus? So I had to look down at my phone in my cup holder. A, who is Stratus? <laughs> I wonder how many guys that grew up in the 80s got on eBay that afternoon to see if they could find a Stratus. Oh, man. A, a Stratus doll. A, a figurine, a figurine. So an action, an action figure. So we're gonna. So I had adventure people for those that are really old. Uh, adventure peoples with the boat and the helicopter. What they, they were? They were action figures. What are, you, uh, what are you talking about? Little bitty adventure people. You'll have. Hey, if you were out there playing with adventure people, send. Is that what you guys did back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying I to make up for his stratus. So I am going to get to the point. I think this is a great segue, so we can we can dump the brain dump. Uh, is any kid that's gone to their toy store, toy store of choice, yeah. has seen the last thing they wanted and shoved it to mm-hmm, the back. Mm-hmm. But we did not uh, like literally get a shovel out and like bury it in yeah. in some toys. So, uh, hey, gonna, so here's the good news: I did get Stratus yeah. in my Easter basket. Yeah, that's good. I did. That's great. Jesus I'm is so risen. Glad. Do you have Stratus today? He's the risen. Stratus doll. You it's still have somewhere, it somewhere? <laughs> I, I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Like if that one made it through the years, but I do have. I do have a box of He-Men somewhere. Yeah. I like how you said He-Men, not a bunch of He-Mans. Well, the <laughs> biggest mistake that I made is, and this was, I was almost out of he- He-Men, but I thought I needed one last, like, year of hanging on to it, and I got a She-Ra doll. <laughs> She-Ra. She-Ra. Because He-Man had to have his girl. So, I'm serious. It's <laughs> I like, forgot all about yeah, She-Ra. So it's like all these guys, all these muscled guys, and I was like, man, He-Man's got to have his girl, you know. <laughs> So I literally got a She-Ra doll in All a right. pink package. It was so bad. Literally, after yeah. we're talking about She-Ra. I think I'm pretty sure after I got She-Ra, I was like, yeah, I'm done. I think we're done with the dump. We have to dump the brain dump this morning. I don't like saying dump the brain dump. but You started it. I didn't say dump the brain dump. We were, y'all go back and listen three weeks ago. He said we're going to dump the brain dump. That's what he said. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we are in Matthew 13, 44 on Sunday. So we're going to look at that. We were, we were in Matthew thirteen. 13 we were, that's right, and we're going to be we're going to be there this morning too. So, 
anyway, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that, especially finishing up our delighting in God series, both on Sunday and now today on the podcast. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be a great conclusion, and I think we have a great word on how the New Testament in the story of the parable of the hidden treasure talks about joy and delighting in God. Let's go, man. Let's take a pause. We'll be right back. Are you on social? Are you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the all the spots? Did you know that Real Life is on all those platforms? And we send out amazing recap videos from every Sunday. They're inspirational. They help you carry Sunday with you. Did you know that I write out regular devotionals and that I push them out on my Facebook page? We just want to help you stay connected. So if you're on social, follow us today on Facebook. Follow me today on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, and you'll get all the latest info in real time at Real Life. All right, we're back. JV, all Fast right. and Furious, let's go rapid fire. What you got? Well, I don't know how rapid fire I can be. But I know. I'm just... you, you picked a lot of scripture out this week. We have a verse, which was, I, you know, having listened to it in the car, I thought there was several verses. So I pulled it out Sunday. Yeah. It is a verse. So can we at least read the verse? Yeah, sometimes I say never only read one verse, but when the parable itself is only found in one verse, it's appropriate to only read yeah, one verse. So there's it's a, it's it's among two or three parables here in Matthew 13, but we're going to read the one verse in verse 44. That's right. Those parables do kind of go together. Mm-hmm. A couple of them. And, the, and they look at different facets of the same kingdom of Matthew heaven. Matthew 13, 44, you're reading from the Christian Standard Bible. It's just because it's the biggest one I can read it this morning. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. So again, a parable. Let's make sure we all are on the same page what a parable is. If you look at the word parable, it's you lay it beside something. So you have the truth, and so you lay the parable beside the truth. So it is a just a story. It is not probably a true story. It's a fictitious story that Jesus uses to teach his disciples and others so that he gives a point. It's usually not a multifaceted point, not trying to get complicated. Jesus is very simple. Here's a simple story for a simple truth. So it's our job this morning. It's a good definition of parable, JV. Yeah. So, so, so on Sunday, you looked at, obviously, the hidden treasure in the field, but our focus just was on delighting in God, and thus, what did the man do when he stumbled upon or maybe found, whether he was searching or not, he found, quote-unquote, a treasure, and his response to that, not just what he did, which was important, but I think your focus was on how he did it. And in this parable, Jesus was very clear to say, this man found a treasure, and he hid it from everybody else so that he could sell everything he had so that he could possess this one and only treasure. And that's important, but I think the most important thing that we underscore, you underscored on Sunday, was that he did it in joy. And and that was really cool. Your thoughts? Yeah, man. Well, it's a beautiful parable. It packs a punch. It's hard to escape the profound meaning of it. You know, it's just so simple and direct. But but if you jump in this word Joyce, which I did, and we've talked about this. So I jumped in this word. I, f- I thought it was really interesting. I really never looked at this word joy. So this is the same joy. You know, you sing the song, Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 
fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So this word joy in Galatians 5 is the fruit of the Spirit, which we've talked about on the podcast during this sermon series. This is the same word. It's in this way, it's kara. It looks like an X, but it's a kara. And it comes from the same group of words um, that originate from the word charis, which is grace. And so here we have as a, so if you look at the word rejoice and you look at the word joy, in this case, the joy word's kara and the other one's kariho, these, these, both these words, grace, I mean, rejoice and joy are reactionary expressions of the root word that they come from, which in this case is grace. So uh-huh. let, let's break grace down maybe just a little bit because I think it's very important. Now, I don't want to geek out. I don't want everybody just to turn off the podcast. Now, don't hit pause. I, I do want to finish this thought, but, but I want to be clear here. When it says, when Jesus himself says in this parable, trying to explain a truth, that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure of which is worth selling everything for, but he doesn't just stop there. It's worth giving everything away for, but you are to do it in joy, not out of duty or obligation or checking a box or a pharisaical thing we, we sometimes do. We, God is not owed anything. We are not entitled God deserves everything we have, and that is because of the grace he's extended us. And the reaction to that should be, the expression of that should be, a joy-filled or rejoicing expression of what he's done. Yeah, the only, the only nuance I would say is, is God is worthy of it all, whether he extended the grace or not. True. Yeah. I, you, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In other, in other words, he's he's not just worthy. That's right. Because he's extended the grace. That's, that's And what's good. beautiful is he's, he's extended common grace to all people. That's right. Right? He, he yeah. sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. Right? So so the evil farmer still has the rain to come down on his crops. That's what right. grace. Oh, what grace. You think about Adam and Eve in the garden. You think about that all the time, don't all you? All the time. What did God say? When you eat of the tree, you shall surely what? Die. Did they die? They did not die physically, but what eventually grace? they did. But what grace? Yes. I, I think I think a natural reading of that text, you would have expected that they would have died immediately. Poof. And you and I, you know, as we as we're taught that text growing up, we're taught, uh, well, they did die. You know, they died spiritually. I was and, going to say that, but I figured you right. should make and, fun of and, it. And then Romans, Paul write, writes in Romans and helps us to interpret what was happening there. And through, you know, through one man, sin entered the world, and, and through this sin, death entered the world. So we do know that Adam and Eve would have never died had they not sinned, right? But the natural reading of the text would have caused us to expect that they would have died immediately. But they didn't. What grace? Oh, mercy. Okay, so... Mercy and grace. So, so, yeah. so the point being, though, is that this man found the kingdom of heaven yes. and he sold everything for it yes. to, so he could possess it. Yes. But he did it out of the expression from the grace that was given him. Jesus is wanting us to understand the nature of his kingdom. And it's a kingdom of grace that brings joy. And the expression, how we rejoice in that. So this is what we're talking about when you're talking about Delati and God. We talked about rejoice. We've talked about blissom. We're talking about blessedness. We're talking about happy. I think last week was Psalm 1. So here's just another way of understanding. It's not even peeling back a layer even. It's just another way for us to understand that with what God 
who he is, is what your point was, who he is alone, but what also he has extended us in grace is an expression of joy. And and so we, we've thrown this word happy and joy. What is it? You know, can you have joy and sadness? Sure you can. Because grace is there, we express that back to him in joy. Unlike, and we talked about this I think last week or maybe this week, unlike not a parable, but a true story that Jesus, what actually Matthew says, it was an interaction between uh, a young rich man and Jesus, and that is in Matthew 19, 16 through 22. And I don't know that I want to read it, but if you want to read that on your own, it's a really great reading. It's really good. Um, What's the story? Uh, so the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He is a Jew, a Pharisee. Obviously, he's rich because that's why they call him the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and says, this is his opening line, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? So his goal was, he, you know, you talked about this last week. Most Hebrew children had memorized the first five books of the Bible, and they knew every word. And so he had been doing his whole life what he was trained to do. And in fact, Jesus says, well, you, you've, have you done all the commandments? So he goes through, yeah, I've done them all. And he goes through a few of them. Done those all. What else can I do? I want to have eternal life. What good must I do? And Jesus answered him and says, uh, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness on your father and your mother and love your neighbors yourself. And the young man says, well, I've kept all these. What do I lack? And Jesus, Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell your belongings and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. So if you put these two wonderful, the parable against this true story, it's almost just like God was giving us the parable to really understand the real interaction between the rich young ruler and himself. It's like, listen, kid, I know you got stuff. But I'm standing in front of you. I am the kingdom of heaven. I am the dominion and the power manifested in the body of Christ. You have come because you want eternal life. I have come so that you would want me personally. Mm -hmm. This is what we've talked all the way through from the Mm -hmm. very first sermon you did. Mm -hmm. God wants us to experience him personally, not necessarily something we can get, whether that's a possession, that's yeah, the white knuckle yeah, we talked a couple yeah. weeks ago. Whether in this case, even if it's eternal life, Jesus is saying, listen, what you are seeking, what your contentment, what you have been built to do yeah. is to engage and have full satisfaction in me and me alone. What does John Piper say? Our full- God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. In him mm-hmm. and not in the stuff. That's right. Including living eternally. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that you could separate the two, but it's such a great thing that the man saw the treasure, the kingdom of heaven, and he's given everything away in joy because he understands the person behind the grace. And here the wretched young ruler couldn't sell his stuff, and he still didn't. He had Jesus in front of him, and he still didn't want him. A good test question to test your heart to know when you think about the kingdom of heaven, uh, are you thinking about it the right way? Is is would you be happy in heaven if Jesus was not there? You know, when the Israelites were in Exodus, 
the Israelites had sinned and sinned and sinned. And you know what Jesus said? Remember what their point of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, he was drawing them out of Egypt to take them to the land, to the promised land, where he was going to set them apart, make them holy, so that his line would bring ultimately Jesus, who we're talking about today. And there was one point where God comes to Moses. I wish I had it in my hands. I don't. But God comes to Moses and says, I'm done with these people. These Israelite people I've wrestled with, I've wrestled with, I've wrestled with. I'm done with these people. They don't honor me. They don't want me. So I'm going to tell you this. You're going to go, and you're going to take those people, and you're going to lead them to the promised land, and they're going to obtain and acquire the promised land. But guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going with you. I'm not going to be present with you. And do you know the reaction of the people? This is such a great story. I'll cry if I read it. They absolutely prostrate themselves before and said, we would rather have God than the promised land, which is what your question just Absolutely. was. Absolutely. That's it. I think that's such a such a, a clarifying question for people in their heart to reflect upon, am I finding my joy in Jesus or am I looking for it in his gifts? Well, think about would you be happy in heaven? No hell, no more temptation, no more sin, no more stumped toe, no more cancer. But if Jesus wasn't there, would you be happy? I don't want it. I don't want it if, if Jesus isn't there. And I think the reason you wouldn't is because, <laughs> well, that's not how God has, he, has he formed you. He is the treasure. He is the treasure. Yeah. No. So uh, in October, uh, I got to preach. He let me get on the stage and preach. And... Um, Bing Verbis and I, we, we had the unjust manager. That's Luke. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I can't tell you I how much you, I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I talk it. about it every week how I got to <laughs> preach twice. Uh, but I think it's in Luke 16. But it's a great story. It's a parable again. And it's talk, talking about a manager that, that didn't do his job right, didn't manage the affairs of his boss. And he fired him. And so before he gets fired, he starts he starts using the, the 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 boss's accounts to sell them for less so that he would get good graces so he could find another job. And so Jesus uses that, and he says at the end of that parable, which is Luke 16, 1 through 13, he says, The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. So it is so hard sometimes that we are creating our little kingdoms. We all are doing it in whatever form. Maybe it's your kid, maybe it's your work, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's whatever. Maybe it's vacations, maybe it's just free time. We all are creating our own little kingdoms. And you know what? To a certain extent, it's nothing wrong with giving and enjoying what God has allowed you to do or what you, what God has allowed you to enjoy. But when we focus on that to the end of that being for our own personal benefit and not using that for the benefit of what am I doing to try to find the kingdom of heaven? What am I doing in this situation in building my kingdom on my little earth here to see and enjoy with joy and rejoicing, God and God alone. So let's bring this home in a practical way. You know, I think what it's important not to miss is that if people are going to experience this joy that we've been talking about through this whole sermon series, faith is required. 
In other words, the, the the parable that Jesus tells, the first idea was that the kingdom of heaven was hidden. It was hidden. So you can't see the glory of the kingdom of heaven without eyes of faith. So if you're, if you're seeking to come to Jesus in the flesh, if you're seeking to come to Jesus in your own wisdom, if you're seeking to come to Jesus in your own understanding, you're not going to be able to experience the joy that Jesus gives. You have to come to Jesus in faith. You have to flex the muscle of your faith to believe his promises, to believe he is who he says he is. And as you come to him in faith, you can experience the joy that he gives. But if you seek to come to him with your eyes still blind to the to his glory, um, you don't you don't experience the joy he gives. So you have to see what is hidden. You have to see it with eyes of faith. Uh, so that's a just a practical application of of folks that you know are wrestling. You know, we've said all along that this that to delight is a fight, right? And we have to fight to delight. And we fight; it's a battle of faith. And so, in that innermost place of who you are, and that shapes your prayers. God, I'm, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? God, I, I I believe that you're the fountain of living waters, but if I was really honest, I really believe you're a faucet, you know, or I really believe you're a sprinkler out in the front yard. I don't believe you're Havasu Falls, you know, and, um, and, and the Lord meets us in those moments, you know, he meets us in those moments. So if you heard the sermon on Sunday or as we're talking about it, or as today, or as you have read it, um, after the sermon or in your community group, as you're discussing it. So you're asking yourself, well, so if I don't go and sell all my possessions, sell my house, sell my car, quit my job and go somewhere to find the kingdom of heaven somewhere else? Am I doing, am I experiencing doing uh, the, the work of God? And even, you know, my, my, my wife, Rachel's said them both today as last post, my wife, Rachel, um, grandparents, uh, he, he was a doctor. She was heavily involved in church and teaching and literally almost for the most part, sold absolute everything, gave up his practice and moved to Seoul, uh, South Korea and became a missionary, um, medical missionary there and uh, and spent many years there with the South Korean people. And if you don't do that, does that mean you're not doing and experiencing God? No, absolutely not. But what I think what's... It did for the rich young ruler. That's right. That's right. You're right. So it could. And it's in, in some it people, God is calling to do that. It could. Yeah, I... I yes. just, the reason I want to yes. jump in is because there may be someone listening to the podcast that the Spirit is saying, sell it all and go. That the Holy Spirit is saying, sell it all and give. Sell it all and downsize. Sell a little bit of it. Sell a lot of it. Uh, and and if you just said, absolutely not, then they may go, oh, phew. oh, Jonathan said I don't have to sell it all. <laughs> well, listen to Freddie. Jesus listen, is Jonathan. Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus okay. is Lord. Whatever Jesus says by his Spirit, we must obey. And, and you've experienced this too, Freddie. Yeah. Fred. Um, I mean, you pretty much gave up everything—not everything, but pretty much everything. Man, we had just we had just moved into our brand new starter home. Me and we were, me, we were, me and the original Freddie used to paint upstairs, getting ready for you that. You guys original. did that was yes, amazing. We, did. We, we built dad dad built us a deck on the back for yeah a gift for graduating seminary. We just yeah. finished out the basement. Beautiful little home looked out over the river, and yeah. we could not shake the calling of God to move to New York City. Yeah. Yeah. So you did. You you gave all that up and you moved. And Susan and Jack all moved to New York City. But if God is not calling you to do that, yeah. Um, then God is calling you in your little place, in your little kingdom, to absolutely see 
We talked about this last two weeks ago about possessions, the things that he gives us that are good, but inclusive of money. So, sometimes, sometimes it's easier to sell everything and move to move to Korea than it is to die to yourself and give your wife her preference, or not get to do that thing or buy that thing because you know that the church or somebody down the street is in need of something, and you're going to. So we're going to hit this word sacrifice just a little bit, and and then we'll we'll move on. That's beautiful. But to sacrifice something that you you really think that you want, right? But that you really don't need. But as as what Luke sixteen says, what you will be giving away is something that you can never hold on eternally for. What you will gain eternally for. So in that sermon, and you said this week, I I hate to put you on the spot about this, um, but in my sermon in October, I had uh, a a a line from Jim Elliot. Uh, and you said that you had this same line in I your did, sermon notes. I, I can never get this quote right. Yeah, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Can you say it again slowly? Because this is so hard to understand. But Jim Elliot, who went to the Aqua Indians and was murdered, seeking to take the gospel to them before his death, said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose it is so powerful. So if you if you research this, I'd research this in October. The whole story, and they found the little diary is actually it was his diary, and it was actually a requote of another from two hundred hundred years before of another minister that wrote that. <laughs> it's usually the way it is. And but he was so called because he was a minister. He was he was training to be a minister at the time, and he was so called. He felt so called. He had a young wife, Elizabeth Elliot. And um, they went down to I forgot now the country I had researched Ecuador, up, Ecuador, and to this this to this tribe that had never ever been reached. They were actually kind of yeah. out to themselves. Yeah. The savages, savages, yeah. yeah. Um, and anyway, the ultimately he gets killed, and along with some of the other couples that went with him, at least the men. Um, it's a tragic story, but it, it's so fun to see that this is what he knew he was called to do and he was willing to even give up his life his family whatever he could have gained in joy and having children Mm -hmm. and experience Mm -hmm. that and he was willing to give it all because he knew that whatever could be gained here in a temporary enjoyment he would be willing to give up for for the eternal joy so here's the way the author of hebrews words that he says but recall the former days when after you were enlightened you endured a hard struggle. This is Hebrews 10, 32 and following. You endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Here it is. <laughs> Here it is. This, this is. This is just another example. As they were having compassion on those in prison, they were stolen from. That people plundered their property. And the author of Hebrews says that they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property since they knew that they had a better possession. So here, they weren't giving it away. It was being taken from them. But they were able to have joy. Why? Because they had a better possession. 
King Jesus. That's right. And so, you know, Hebrews, since you brought Hebrews up, so I did a little word study on kara, which is that word joy. And in one of it's used many, many times in the New Testament, as you can imagine. But in Hebrews 12, um, which is, I think it's a well-quoted verse or verses, but 12.1, if you let me read it, just two verses here. But this is an exp- this is a story of about Jesus and what he did ultimately for us, the reason we have grace, the reason we have faith to believe in him so that we can have eternal life. He says in 12.1, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy, same word, that lay before him. For Jesus, the joy that Jesus had that laid before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he knew what he had to do. When we know the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying that it wouldn't happen. But he joyfully, listen, he, just like the man that bought the field, gave everything away joyfully. Jesus, looking ahead of what he was going to do for himself, well, I guess I guess generally it is for himself. But the joy of what was before him, he knew that once he stepped through and suffered on the cross, and was raised from the death. He knew with those things occurring, even with the pain and the despisement, it says, and the shame, he did it because of the joy that laid before him on the other side. Yeah. How powerful is that? Yeah, well, it's so powerful because it illustrates it's faith that activates your joy. It's faith in an object, in a truth, in a promise that activates your joy. It's powerful. Jesus was our model. Two realities, don't forget. We have a physical reality that we see every day. But behind that physical reality, and what I believe impacts and pushes the physical reality is the spiritual reality that is real around us, that we are unable to see with our eyes. But as Freddie said two or three times this morning, with faith, what you cannot see, but you know that is there. With everything that you have and everything that you believe, it's there, it exists. With faith... That spiritual reality is around us, and God is so moving and working around us, and we get to see the ramification. We get to see the effect of that in what we see and do with people. Somebody cuts you off in a car. You get mad? Why? Because you got hurt. You got your feelings hurt. They ticked you off because they shouldn't do something like that. You got to understand the spiritual reality. You get a thousand dollars more than you ever expected. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to spend that money? It doesn't mean you can't spend that money for yourself. But what is the spiritual reality that is impacting the physical reality before us? I think it's just something in faith that we all need to slow down daily, deeply delighting in what God is doing around us. That's good, man. All right. You want to hit? I want to conclude. This is, we've been six weeks. You've been six weeks in the sermon series, Delighting in God. Six weeks in the podcast talking about delighting in God. We're going to delight in God a conclusionary uh, little talk, um, maybe kind of wrap all this up before we move on to next week with another sermon. All right, before we do that, let's take a pause. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But man, don't we have a lot of excuses for why we don't honor the Lord with our money? You know, ministry takes money. And when you give, 
God's work is propelled forward. I want to ask you to pray today. Pray and ask God to strengthen your faith, to deepen your resolve, to invest in His work, in His ministry. Worship the Lord today through your giving. Make a sacrifice. Set up recurring giving so that even when you can't be present at church, your gift is present. Simply text MISSION to 97000 to set up giving today. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Give to the Lord. All right, Jonathan, we're back. I have no idea what you said that last 30 seconds. What's that? <laughs> you just lost me. <laughs> what, what was I even saying? Uh, you just like rattling and rolling. Uh, I'm sorry. I hope, I hope somebody else got something, cleaned something yeah. from it. All right. When so you, Jonathan, when you see me falling asleep over here, <laughs> you know, you just just know, like, you know. Well, you give me that weird smile. So I don't know if you like what I'm saying or you're Do like, can you just smile? shut up now? and me Hey, listen, you know, uh, when I watch, when I watch videos of my sermon, I think, Gosh, I've got a smile, man. <laughs> Serious. I call that. Uh, we should I bring it up? Yeah, we should do it. Oh, I don't think so. Okay, we're moving on. No, no, serious minister face. You know, sometimes ministers, <laughs> sometimes ministers have a serious face. That's a good thing. I, I have a serious lawyer face sometimes. I yeah. just sometimes. It well, eighty six percent of communication is nonverbal. Yeah. So it's it's how you posture your body. It's how you, the expression on your face. You know. So if you want to be effective in communication. And you've got to pay really close attention to what is your body doing? What is your face doing? Are you communicating what you're intending to communicate? Yeah. And so often I, I was not and am not. So I've been super intentional to try to convey and communicate with my facial expression what I'm seeking to convey. It, like, in other words, it's unconvincing when you are talking about the joy of God and you look really, really <laughs> ticked off or unimpressed or... You know, Psalm not, 16 is where we started all of this. Uh, Psalm 16, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy at, at your right hand are eternal pleasure. So you have taken us, I think, on a wonderful journey, uh, mostly through the Old Testament, through Psalms, uh, through Jeremiah. And now I think you finished in Matthew. I may have missed one. I hope I didn't. Um, but you have taken us on a wonderful discussion and journey through how God from the beginning and through the end has created us to delight in Him. So just some conclusionary thoughts about your your whole sermon series, but just in general. Um, you, you, I think you've said several several times that this sermon series has been very, very enjoyable for you because mm-hmm. this is kind of the center of what you wanted yeah. your congregation to know, your church to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, Jonathan. I'm curious... Uh, how has God stirred your heart through this sermon series? Uh, yes, uh, because I was one of the few people that apparently misunderstood between happiness and joy. And so, <laughs> and I say that as a joke. So it has been good for me for six weeks as I'm going through. So it's now funny, you know, it's like, you know, you ever seen a red car and all of a sudden all you see is red cars. And so now when I'm reading God's word, I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's joy. Oh my gosh, there's happy. Oh my gosh, there's blessed. And so, and so exactly what happened with me in 1344, Matthew. Okay. What is joy here? Let's let's see if Fred's right about this happiness and joy thing. What does this word joy mean? And I mean, I've been studying this for four or five hours in the last couple of three days about how joy is nothing to do. No, 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 
listen to me, the core of joy is the expression and the rejoicing is the expression of what God has done for us and who he is. You're right to saying that earlier, of who he is and what he has done for us, ultimately in the grace. And sometimes that is experienced by happy elations, a smiling, laughing uncontrollably, and sometimes that is grieving with sorrow in your bed because you're sick or you have pain or because you have this emotional distress. So if anything that this sermon series has done for me personally in my walk has helped me understand probably what I did before, but put it in better terms, in my mouth, and when you do that, you I think you understand what it really, really means as God has really meant it. We put letters to it and words to it to try to express something that we feel or we yearn for. And so I think what this sermon series has done for me is made me more um, active in thought about when I'm happy or when I'm sad, I'm still joy-filled. Because it's not about what I feel. It's about who God is and how I'm trying to find his presence in what I do every day. Is that the answer you're looking for? <laughs> I, was just, I was just looking for honesty. Looking Did you just honesty. go back to sleep again? <laughs> no, no. I just, you know, I mean, like as I wrap up, like I just, I just want to know, like, did the Lord meet you in this series, and how did He speak to you personally? You know, what did He, what did He stir in you? What, what did He whittle away in you? What did He clarify? What did He challenge? What did He? And I think the other thing for me, Freddie, uh, Fred is the last, especially this week, as I studied this, you know, we always talk about possessions. I remember I was at a centrifuge in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, I went to church camp. It's a church camp over the summer. Still do it. I think they call it Fuge now, not centrifuge. Won't get into that. You can look it up. But anyway, I was at a Wendy's and found a $20 bill. And so I was like, I'm going to give this to God because I was at a church camp. That's what you do. So I went up to my leader. and I said, hey, I found $20. I'm going to give this to God. So, you know, we walked out on Thursday. We all give our donations. I think what I got out of the parable um, 1344 was when things that come across your desk, think of them differently. Think of them differently, not how you just give it to the church. But think of them differently of how you're going to use your time. You said, I think the last thing you said in your sermon, I know we kind of got off on a tangent. I didn't mean to do this. No, no. The last last three things you said were, you know, to me, I took them as what's valuable, money. You said, oh, you know, come to church, you give your money. It is about money because that's the value. That's Luke 16. That's the the, uh, shrewd manager. I mean, you can't serve God and you can't serve money at the same time. You have to serve one or you serve the other. But so Rachel and I were talking about this Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. And I sat there and told her, I said, you know, money's hard to let go sometimes. Time, you mentioned, is a very valuable thing. But, and Freddie knows, sometimes we have meetings and we have to do them after hours, uh, late sometimes at like 6.30 at night. Um, My time with my family, my relational time with my wife and my kids is the most valuable thing. And if I give that away, to God or anybody else, you know that I'm really sacrificing. We didn't hit the word sacrifice like you did on Sunday. But that is a real sacrificial thing. It's kind of funny. It's kind of sad maybe in a way. But when I have to leave at night to go do something and I'm away from my family, that is a real sacrifice. And I know in the grand scheme of things, people are getting their heads chopped off and wherever I got it. But that in my big world problems is always a huge sacrifice for me. 
And and so as I read 1344, I was like, what are you not joyfully doing? Mm. Are you fair say, like checking the box like the rich young ruler? Mm. I didn't do this, and I did do this, and I didn't do this, and I did do that. But did you do it joy-filled? And you sensed God's spirit kind of leading you along that path? Got to do it, Joy. You got to understand that whatever God has put before you is no more important than himself. And joyfully, we should express that back to him. That's what I got out of this week and the sermon series, I think, in general. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I think this whole thing for me is like one giant bullseye. It's a giant bullseye. It gives us a target, you know. Um, And for the rest of our lives, we've got a target. And we know where the center of the bullseye is. And the majority of our days, we're somewhere on one of those outer circles in terms of delighting in God, in terms of finding joy in God, and in terms of treasuring Him, drinking from the fountain of living waters, feasting on the bread of life. But we know, we know on those moments that the Spirit whispers to us and says, you're just eating crumbs, you're not eating the main course, you know. Um, we know where the target is. And, and that was my goal, is to really create a framework for people to understand their minutes, their moments, their days, their weeks, their months, their years, their whole life, a framework for them to understand um, how, how does the Lord really make a difference in my life? And it's both here and now he gives joy here and he promises that reward later and uh, praise be to God. So it's been deeply enjoyable. It, our mission, the mission of our church is delighting in God. And discipling others. So, Jonathan, thanks for jumping on the podcast week after week and, and digging in. This Sunday, we've got two mission partners of ours going to be sharing. Super excited for folks to get to hear from them. And then the following Sunday, we'll be back in the Book of Luke. I'll be there this Sunday. We'll take the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. It'll be wonderful. And, um, but I can't wait to jump back in Luke. And next week, if you're tired of hearing us talk for, I don't know how long we're talking today, an hour or so, uh, next week we're going to have uh, somebody else we're going to be interviewing next week. And so we're going to get back to some maybe some interviews again. Freddie. Hallelujah. We'd like to close this out in prayer, Fred. Yes. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name and by your spirit, thank you that your promises are true. Father, give us spiritual sight to see the broken cisterns in our life and help us to drink deep from the fountain of living waters. Lord, help us not to give lip service to you. We know that you were not mocked. You'll share your glory with no one else. Help us to seek you with all of our heart. Lord, your promise is that we'll find you when we seek you with all of our heart. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Fred, it's it's been a joy. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.